I'm high tech, guys. I'm high tech. Ah, so let me move that one. Question to open us up. What makes you feel loved? All right. What makes you, and this is not a general, like what makes people feel loved. This is what makes you feel loved. All right. Quality time, QT. Quality time. Okay. So, what Tanya's referring to, if you had never read the book, there's a book called Five Love Languages. It's been uh, been around for quite a while. It's been a handy tool. Um, and it has five different things. Words of affirmation was one. Uh, anybody know what the other ones are? Gifts. It's number two. I should put my notes. Shelly, you know this book. Acts of Service. It's number three. Physical Touch. And one more. She just said it. Quality time. Okay, so what makes you feel loved? Um, here's what I'm going to do. Everybody got a phone on them this morning? Everybody got a phone? Bring out your phone. Go to fivelovelanguages.com backslash quizzes backslash. It's going to take us about... You did it last week? Oh, Mark's feeling lovey. <laughs> so if you'll go to that, um, it's got categories. You can, uh, if you want to take this quiz as some five love languages, the number five, lovelanguages.com backslash quizzes backslash. It's got different categories. You can take it if you're a single. It's got an appropriate quiz. If you're part of a couple, it's got that. So everybody find it. Just tell me to shut up so you can take it. Take you about five minutes. Take it. We'll get back together. Okay? Enjoy. Give you just about a couple more seconds, and then we'll jump in. Or, or we can jump in right now while... People finish up. If you finished up, what was your top score? Acts of service. Acts of service. Really? That's surprising because you're a gifter. <laughs> quality time. What else? Quality time. Words of affirmation. From when? Which was uh, 10 years ago? Okay. Acts of service. Acts of service. Okay. Sam, did you get a score? Uh, I was highest on acts of service. Okay. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Is that a word about 
that was that was a word. No, that was a word of acknowledgement because it's interesting that it, you're, the way you feel loved is oftentimes the way you show love. So Sam's the first one to come and serve when there's a need, right? So it, it makes sense that you would feel loved when acts of service are done for you because you naturally love through acts of service towards others. So that makes pretty good sense, which is why I'm confused about my wife. <laughs> yep, that justifies everything, right? Um, was anybody surprised at your, were you? And yours was quality time? Okay. Well, what, what did you? No, maybe you're not as materialistic as you once were. <laughs> oh. Mine was quality time. Mine was a uh, 12 on the quality time and an 8 on words of affirmation. And I. I huh? I was a 12 on Were you? That's why she values when I take the trash out. She feels loved when I take the trash out. It's also why she doesn't think I love her when I don't take the trash out. <laughs> I was just saying when I read, I'm like, that makes all mm-hmm. the sense. That's why when I'm stressed, yeah. I'm like, I want help. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you complete it, Zach? What? Did you complete the quiz? I did. What did you say? I got an eight on words of affirmation and a seven on quality time. So you like words of affirmation. There you go. Leslie? That's when your wife speaks. It's when she speaks positively towards you and builds your self-esteem, builds your image. Thank you for what you do. You're an incredible husband. I see how much you do for our family. I see what you're doing to help. I see the effort you're giving. Thank you. For that, I acknowledge that. Yeah. Affirming, it's affirming what's going on so that you feel loved because they speak into existence the things you want them to notice about you. What was yours, Leslie? Quality time. Quality time. Mark, you took yours the other day. We're... There you go. Okay. So, <laughs> John three sixteen, uh, maybe possibly the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. Um, I had to look on my notes because I'm reading out of a version that I did not memorize. So I have scripture memorized in my head in certain versions, but then now I'm currently teaching out of a different version, so it works a different. So, for God loved the world in this way, He gave. His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This is how God loved the world, by giving His one and only Son. Right? That you would not perish, but you would receive eternal life instead. Um, each of us, we've already seen, is wired in a unique way. And I, I want to propose to you this morning that when we properly understand the good news of Jesus, when we properly understand the advent, the coming, the arrival of Jesus, then we will um, 
know how uh, the gospel speaks directly to your unique, your unique wiring. Like the way that you receive and show love, no matter how unique or personal it is on this map, the gospel speaks to it. It addresses it. Okay? So however you receive or show love, God loved the world in this way, and it's going to meet specifically your unique wiring. Okay? Uh, so how so? Words of affirmation. Who was the words of, remind me, Zach and who else? Okay, y'all are words of affirmation people. Uh, I, I got a brief description out of that. The, the uh, description said, hearing the words, I love you, are important. Hearing the reasons behind that love, send your spirit skyward. Hearing I love you is, is valuable, it's important, but when I hear why you love me, it's like, whoo, you just got me. You got me. You grabbed me because that's the language that I speak, right? I love you is good, but why I love you? Tell me the qualities. Tell me the characteristics. Tell me the things you see and help me know why you love me. And then you're going to grab my heart. So Jesus, his whole teaching, um, just a lot of times, Towards, not towards the religious people. The religious leaders in the day, it's interesting. When you read the gospel narrative, he speaks to religious leaders who think they know all things. He speaks to them one way. But then when he speaks to the general public, he speaks in a different way. And when he speaks to the general public who needs to be affirmed, Jesus' teaching is just saturated with words of affirmation. Okay, So he says in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. If any among you would consider yourself just poor in spirit, you're downcast, you're sorrow, you're, you, you're deflated, you think Rome has suppressed you, you think the world is, is just horrible, um, you're poor in finances, you're poor in spirit, and you, you just think all hope is lost, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just affirm you in your current situation that whatever you perceive to be a reality is not true because the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. You are rich in the kingdom. And he affirms you in your current situation. He says, you are the light of the world. Right? When you think you're worthless, when you think you're flawed, when you think you're broken, when you think you're useless, he says, no, you are the light of the world. City on a hill can't be hidden, but shine. Go, therefore, and shine among all men, that they may praise your Father who is in heaven. You're the light of the world. You're not meant to be hidden. You're meant to be on display. And he affirms. And then in Matthew 6, he says, Don't worry about your life. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than any of them? And he just doesn't walk out and say, Love you guys. I said, man, you are the most treasured possession of our Heavenly Father. You have nothing to worry about because He is feeding and clothing His nature, and you are so much more precious to Him than all of those. And He affirms His audience, He affirms all of us who read His scriptures. So if you are a words of affirmation, and that is your language, Jesus speaks your language. He has come speaking your language, addressing 
the way you feel loved. He wants you to know that he loves you in that way. And he does so well at communicating that. Second one was gifts. Anybody in here a gift language? Anybody? Nobody wants to say they're a gift person because I just said it was materialistic when Amy was talking. <laughs> but I think my wife leans on a gift person. She is a gift. She is a gift giver, and I'm not a gift person. So she puts months of thought. Like, you know how many Christmas presents I bought my wife so far? Zero. Zero. Will I buy my wife a gift? Will I buy her a gift? Yes. I'll. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the excitement of the hunt, right, Joe? Hey, target's open till 10. <laughs> Baby, y'all hold dinner. I got to go get you a present. No. It is. And Shelly's like got three presents wrapped for me in the corner of our bedroom. And she says, I know two of them you mentioned throughout the year. I'm like, whoa, you're thinking about gifts all year long. And I'm thinking about them two days before Christmas. Right? Um, because I don't speak that language, but she does. And she wants me to value that. And she'll give me a gift. She's like, you're going to love it. And I'm like, that's cool. Thanks. I mean, it's cool. But what do you want me to say? Right? Because I don't. That's not my language. Right? But, but some of us are. And Jesus, uh, it says that gifts in, in, in the description, it says gifts are visible representations of love. And are treasured greatly. So for those that speak the love language of gift, gifts are physical representations of the love that you have for one another. And they become treasures. Because that gift represents your love. Therefore, I treasure your love. I will treasure the gift. Right? And then Jesus is himself the gift. That God so loved the world that he gave us a gift. God loved, so he gave, right? He, his love language in this instance is that of giving gifts. Who is the gift? The gift is Jesus. Jesus is a physical representation of the love that our Father has for us, right? So therefore, when, when God loved you, he gave his one and only son. Therefore, we treasure his one and only son because when we see the one and only son who is Jesus, we see the love of our heavenly father. It's a physical representation of it. Um, so let me ask you this question. What is the treasure that we receive in the gift of Jesus? Like for God so loved us, when we teach Jordan this verse, we teach our kids this verse, for God so loved Jordan that he gave his one and only son so that if Jordan would believe, she would not perish, but she will have eternal life. That's how we teach this verse to our children. So what is the treasure that we have when we receive Jesus? Salvation. Salvation. Okay. Gift of... Salvation. I'm just writing more dots to let you know there's more answers. Redemption. We are redeemed to our Heavenly Father. In the gift of Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God with me. All day, every day. 
right? What else do we receive, the treasure that we receive when we receive Jesus? Well, there's an inheritance. Okay. Jesus is a deposit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit of all the things that will be our inheritance when we enter the kingdom. Right? Because we have Jesus, now we have the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, he said, that's a small down payment for the kingdom you're going to receive. Right? There's a massive inheritance that comes when we enter into his kingdom in eternity. Okay. God has adopted me. Yep. And for no reason at all other than his love and favor of me, I got I got picked in the foster home to come yep. be adopted. And, and I get an inheritance just like his son Jesus. So I, I skipped ahead in our reading guide that I've asked you to subscribe to on New Version, and this week you'll get into Galatians four when he talks about your adoption. Right? Because of the advent of Christ. So you're going to, everything Mike just said is going to be reiterated in your reading this week. Uh, when we receive Jesus, we receive the gift of forgiveness, which leads to our redemption, salvation, all those things. It's all tied in. But because I have Jesus, I have forgiveness of the offenses that I've committed towards our Heavenly Father. And now he doesn't hold those against me. Because I have forgiveness, I have redemption. I've been redeemed to him. I've been adopted by him, confirmed by the Holy Spirit that I have dwelling with me. So when we see Jesus, we see a physical representation of love. He is the gift we've received. He is the treasure because in him we have everything. Right? We have everything pretty awesome. So for you gift givers, Jesus is the visible representation of God's love. Number three, acts of service. Got these in order. Acts of service is anything you do to ease the burden or responsibilities weighing on. An act of service person will speak volumes. So it is anything you do to ease the burden or responsibility of another person. My wife, when I take the trash out, she feels loved because it eased her burden. My wife's brain is going thousands. Man, I saw something on Facebook the other day. It's like a man's brain. It was like a single lane highway. And then a woman's brain was like overpasses in Dallas. They're all going everywhere, right? And I'm like, man, that's so true because my wife is like internally going 50 different ways at one time, and I'm just like watching Cheers on TV. <laughs> and she's like, how are you resting? I'm like, because Cheers is on. <laughs> how are you not? She said, because, so we went to dinner on Friday night, and it was supposed to, we had two different agendas. Two different agendas, so it didn't flesh. She had <laughs> overpasses weaving in her brain and multiple destinations and things she needed to check off because she was doing acts of service that equaled love in her brain towards other people in our family. I need to get this gift. <laughs> I need to do this so they'll feel loved, so I feel like I'm loving them well. And I'm like, baby, you need to slow down and have dinner with me because I need some quality time. 
And she's like, no, I'm loving people. I'm like, you ain't loving me because I need some quality time. Right? I want dinner. And I want to slow down. And I want to sit at dinner until I'm tired of sitting, and then we'll get up and do something else. But she had all the interstates going through her brain about all the things we need to be doing. And I'm like sitting in a cul-de-sac. Right? I'm like, this is our destination. That's the way it fleshes out differently. So acts of service, she needed to ease the burden of the responsibilities being weighed upon her. Jesus, we could go through a lot of acts of service that Jesus does in the gospel narrative, but I think there's one that trumps all of them. It says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. John 15, verse 13. There is no greater love than this. There's no greater language to speak than Jesus laying down his life for his friends, who is you and I. No greater act of service, no greater love language ever spoken, but he lays down his life. He serves you by giving of his body and his blood and his breath. There's no greater love than that. He said that is the greatest act of service that you could think of, and he has accomplished it on your behalf. Um, who's, a, who's with me in the quality time category? Man, good company. At least on this side of the room. I don't know about that side of the room. <laughs> quality time says, in the vernacular of quality time, nothing says I love you like full undivided attention. Which is why I did not feel loved Friday night among the dinner because I wanted undivided attention and she wanted to go do. And I'm like, you're not looking. She's in traffic jam in Dallas. <laughs> and I'm in a cul-de-sac in Saline County. <laughs> right? I'm on a country road. Undivided attention uh, says I love you. For those of us who are quality time people, the the advent of Jesus establishes and sustains us with quality time. The advent, the coming, the arrival of Jesus is all about and is sustained in quality time. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches and the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because why? You can do nothing apart from me. Relationship, the presence of Jesus is all about quality time. It is all about undivided attention. Jesus says, you give me your undivided attention, I give you my undivided attention, and together as we, you remain, you stay undivided with me, you're going to produce much fruit in your life. But if you divide your attention, you'll accomplish nothing. Because the relationship, the gift that was given to us in Jesus is all about Undivided at quality time. And it is, we are receiving the gift and we are sustained by the gift in that undivided attention quality time. And that's the promise. He's like, you, you come to me, spend some quality time with me. I'll, I'll, I'll devote myself to you. And you remain there and you'll accomplish much in your life. All right? Last one was physical touch. 
Physical touch fosters a sense of security and belonging in any relationship. And you may think that that's kind of backwards because men just want sex, right? But if you're a man and physical touch is your love language, a lot of times it's less about satisfaction and more about security. Right? If your wife doesn't want to be intimate with you, then you begin to feel insecure in a lot of ways. You begin to reflect upon yourself. What am I not doing? Who am I not? What's going on internally? What am I not portraying? And then you don't feel loved or respected by your wife because she won't be intimate with you. And she thinks that it's only a satisfaction thing with you, but it's really a security thing as well. Because one of the most guaranteed ways to create an insecure man is to remove that from him as your husband. Okay? Um, Physical touch. Jesus addresses this one really well says in Matthew 8, 3, that a man with leprosy came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He had been a leper and had been an outcast of society. When this man had leprosy, the law of Moses said that you should put him outside the camp, and if anybody gets near him, then you yell out, leper, unclean, unclean. He needs to, he needs to announce his uncleanness, that he has a disease, that if nobody should touch him, and if he comes anywhere near the town, that is his responsibility to yell that out constantly. Unclean, unclean. Don't come anywhere near. Don't touch me because I am unclean. And that was his job. But then he came up and he knelt before Jesus and said, I know that if you're willing, you'll make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him. Touched him. And said, I'm willing. Physical touch is the love language that Jesus addresses. And yes, that man received healing in that moment, but can you fathom the amount of security and belonging that he received by being touched for the first time in years? That he was secure in the touch of Jesus, where he had once been an outcast, left alone. Jesus addresses this. There are none whom Jesus would not and will not touch. He shows belonging and brings security to all of us through his touch. Jesus, wherever you are on the spectrum of how you feel and give love, Jesus addresses it flawlessly. He comes to you where you are in your language and he speaks it. He is not loving towards those who love this way. He is loving towards all so that he might meet you in your unique wiring. In conclusion, here we go. The advent of Jesus has made the love of God available to and through each of us. God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. That love is 
available to and through each of us. It's available to each of us because everyone who believes can receive it. Jesus said, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? The very next verse, verse 16 and 17 and 18, he says, God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes would not perish, but will have eternal life. I have not come to condemn you, but to save you. But he says, you're already condemned if you don't believe. Your condemnation doesn't come through Jesus' arrival. Your condemnation comes by you rejecting his coming. Right? His love is available to you, to everyone who believes and would receive his love. It only comes through one person. It comes through Jesus. The gospel is, it's been claimed that the gospel um, is, what's the words that I'm looking for? in my notes, so I don't have it. Um, it's um, hmm? exclusive. exclusive, right? The two words are exclusive and inclusive. Thank you, Sam. You're like a walking thesaurus. Um, some people claim the gospel is too exclusive, like it's not for everybody, like it's too narrow. And that's because it comes through his one and his only son, like, there is no other way to be redeemed to God. There is no other way to be saved from your sin and your rebellion. There is no other way to become a child of God. There is no other forgiveness. He says if we reject His one and only Son, the only method of forgiveness, then we are without hope. There is no other way. And some would claim that the gospel is too exclusive. It's too hard to swallow because it's so narrow. But it's not narrow because it says... God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, and everyone, it's all inclusive. It's not exclusive. Yes, it's narrow in the fact that it goes through Jesus, because narrow is the gate, and straight is the way, and many will miss it. But it's inclusive in the fact that everyone who would believe can receive God's love by becoming God's child. Yes, it's exclusive because it's narrow, but it's inclusive because in its narrowness, the gate is sufficiently wide for anyone who would go. Okay? So it's available to each of us. If you believe and receive the gift of God, your unique expression of love will be given to you and experienced through Jesus. Here's a side note. If you're married or want to be married, here's the deal. You're going to, you may already be there. If you're not here, you're going to be there. And you can be there completely in your singleness. So this is not a marriage co comment. There's going to come a day in time, if it's not today, where you are dependent upon another person to make you feel loved. Right? And you're going to put an unjustified amount of pressure. I used to feel this in my singleness. 
When I was single and you just long for a spouse, you long for a companion, and, and, and you just want that companionship and that love. And here's what you're thinking in your brain. If I just had her, then this desire would be satisfied. It would, it would subside. So then you, you place all that weight upon her arrival, her coming. And then when she's there, you just lay that on her. But then when she doesn't speak your language, you still... Don't go satisfied. You're still unmet in your longing. And maybe you're married and you're still doing that. And man, I just... A couple things can happen. Number one, you say, well, apparently you can't love me well, so I'm leaving. We don't speak the same language. I guess this was a mistake. I'm out. Or you stay and you grow through it and you learn to love each other better, but it's still imperfect because here's the problem. This was never meant to be placed upon her. This was not her cross to carry. It's not my wife's burden to bear. All this is hardwired into me to be placed upon him. And only he will fulfill it flawlessly. Only Jesus will love you fully and speak your language 100% of the time. When I place this upon him, now I can go to her, not for my wife to satisfy my longing, but for me to be her servant. Because if you're going to place that upon a spouse, you're going to, you're going to suck them dry until they leave withered. But if you can be fulfilled in Christ first and then go and pursue your wife as a servant, then you can help her in her longing as well. But we're not meant to carry that for one another. We can't carry that for one another. That's meant to be placed upon Christ, and now we can walk together better, more healthy, as we're completely satisfied with or without you, but I'd like to have you. But I'm not dependent upon you. I cannot be dependent upon a spouse. It's not fair to my spouse, and it's not healthy for me. I must first be satisfied, because only Christ can carry this burden. And then we can go to one another better. Okay. Lastly, the church is the body of Christ. And the love of Christ is expressed through us to address the unique love language to those in our city. So if Jesus expresses this as the one and only Son to us, now He expresses it to our city through us. Okay, Because we are the body of Christ. He says, we are His body and He is the head. So as we go into the city, His love is expressed through us so that they might not say, wow, look at His body, it's hot. No, they might look at Him who is the head. So as we live out our role as the body of Christ in our city, we, it's Mark walking down the street. I'm not like, actually, it's like, was that a, look at the buns on that one, right? It's like, what was that, a, <laughs> Jim Carrey? I'm sorry. I just said, I was going to say, we don't notice the body. We notice the face. I don't, you know, it's like, I say, hey, there's Mark. I don't say, hey, there's Mark's body. 
I'm like, hey, there's Mark. There's Mark. I see you by your face. Your identity comes from who you are. Your identity doesn't come from neck down. Your identity comes from your neck up. And it says that we are the body of Christ of which he is the head. So that when we go into the city displaying his love in all different manners, then they don't notice us. They are drawn to him. Because his love is displayed through us. Because we're the body. The gifts that we're going to wrap all around us here. If nothing else, they speak the love language of gifts. Right? To those in our city. We have an opportunity. People um, in a season where giving is normal and we have families that aren't able to give as generously or at all as they would like to to their children. Here's what it is. To the children, we're speaking the love language of gifts. To the parents and the families, and it's an act of service. Not so that people would notice us, but this is an act of giving, an act of generosity, an act to display the love of the Father so that people might notice Jesus. We don't do anything to draw attention to ourselves. We do everything to draw attention to Jesus. Whether we're loving with words of affirmation, through giving of gifts, acts of service, physical touch, or quality time, it's not so that people would say, dang, them city church people are cool. It's nothing to do with us. But the love of the Father is being displayed through us so that they may notice His Son. Okay? And we can display His love to the city in various ways so that whatever the love language is of those in our city, they might be drawn to the one and only Son who gives eternal life. That's why we do what we do as a church in our city, okay? That's why we do street festivals. It serves as quality time with our city, acts of service to our business owners. It gives a physical touch to those who come around. And in those encounters, we can speak words of affirmation, right? And the more present we are, the more we have an opportunity for the love of God to be displayed through us in a variety of ways so that whatever the love language is of those in our city, it might speak their language and they might be drawn to Christ.